Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Boom. We are back. <laughs> yeah, take it, Dill. James, muted. <laughs> James <laughs> muted. What the heck, James? Click the mute button. There you go. For whatever reason, StreamYard is having fun tonight. <laughs> Don't know what's going on. It's all right. It's fine. I'm talking away, but the music is still going. Um, anyways, after those fun technical difficulties, we are here, uh, as always, myself, Dylan and Clark Monroe. Uh, but tonight we have a special guest in the house. We're very excited to have Kyle Cushman on with us to talk some Maple Leafs. Kyle, how is your evening shaking out so far? Uh, it's been good. I'm excited to chat with you guys now that I've got some delivery issues done and over with. Sorry <laughs> about the delay for everyone watching. But uh, yeah, excited to, talk, uh, excited to talk some Leafs here tonight. Yeah, no, it's going to be definitely a good time tonight. I um, want to jump right into it with you on the off-season thought for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Obviously, this team has really been a team, I guess, in the off-season. Fans have wanted more. Let's use a Brian Burke word here. Some truculence, some guys that really can bring the oomph to the lineup, and they really went out some and did snot. that. Some snot, some snot, some some P and V, as Mitch Marner said as well. Um, I want to know, Kyle. They they bring in these guys, and they're not guys that just you know drag their knuckles. They're guys that can actually play and chirp and do different things throughout the lineup for the Maple Leafs, which gives them options. I want to know for you. You look at this team. Does this give them a proper added element? Or is this just more of, hey, we're trying to see what sticks here through the Cliffords, the Simmons, you know, all the different physical aspects they've brought in throughout the years? I want to know for you, from you, is this different? It does feel a little bit different just because of how many additions like that there were this offseason when you look at Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi being projected top six guys or at the very least top nine guys for certain. Ryan Reeves kind of fits more into that uh, Kyle Clifford, Wayne Simmons category, where he's going to be exclusively a fourth liner. He's not really going to provide you anything on any special teams. He's going to play eight, nine minutes a night and kind of do that very specific role. Um, but when you add the likes of Bertuzzi and Domi to the lineup, sure, they're not guys that are going to um, fight every single night or anything like that. Um, but they're guys that, like you mentioned, will talk a lot of you-know-what, um, and they'll, they're not afraid to mix it up physically. I mean, we saw it in the first like three seconds of this preseason game today where Max Domi decided to be a Domi and take a penalty in the first few seconds, which 
Um, I, I do have a slight concern that Max might try to do a little too much of that, especially early on in the season before he kind of settles into his own game. Um, but overall, I, I think when you look at those two additions, primarily Reeves kind of being his separate own thing, um, it certainly adds a different flavor to the top six because those are the guys actually going to be on the ice with your Austin Matthews. Those are the guys that are going to be on the ice with John Tavares, William Nylander, which wasn't the case for 99% of the games that Wayne Simmons played or any of the games that Clifford played and stuff like that. So I, I think it does give a little bit of a different element, at least guys that are willing to mix it up or, or excited to mix it up a little bit like that, um, which is, again, a little bit different even from somebody like Michael Bunting, who last year racked up a bunch of penalty minutes, but isn't exactly a guy that um, is jumping in into those scenarios. He's kind of starting them and trying to draw penalties and that kind of stuff. It's a little bit different uh, with Bertuzzi and Domi. So I do think overall it kind of gives uh, at, at least the top six, top nine, a little bit of a different look while also keeping kind of the skill and scoring ability that you obviously need in those positions. One thing I want to throw out here too is another guy they added was John Klingberg. And a lot of people were scratching their heads at this one, but it really looks like the Maple Leafs are going to utilize him. And I know Clark likes this because obviously the Leafs need some more points from the back end, some more moving of the puck. But also, he's already getting first power play reps. And I know we're super early into camp and everybody's reading way too much into the tea leaves. Oh, it's overreaction yeah. season, James. It is. It is. Uh, I mean, Sense fans told me today that their first <laughs> night is take hey, that for what it is. Lafferty. Oh. Oh, right. oh. <laughs> he, so he says something about Sam Lafferty and the hockey gods cut him off. <laughs> um, but anyways, okay? um, what I'm thinking about John Klingberg there, Kyle, <laughs> is, um, hey, this guy here might actually be one of the quote-unquote key additions this offseason. And I say that because the Leafs need more points from their back end. And what do we always say about guys when they have someone nipping at their heels, whether it's in goal or fighting for a roster spot, you usually bring the best out in guys. Now, it didn't happen with Barry and Riley when it was here, but maybe Klingberg and Riley might be a little bit of, hey, let's keep the fire lit under both guys as you know what and keep them going. I want to know your thoughts on Klingberg here. Yeah, he's uh, he's a fascinating addition where, like you mentioned, he's going to bring some more scoring, some more puck moving to the back end, which is something that they've kind of wanted, especially with Tree Living kind of uh, outright saying that they wanted to add somebody who can bring more scoring uh, from the back end. Um, and yet he's certainly a, a very high upside signing when you look at what he's capable of doing in the past. It hasn't really been there the last couple of years, but um, you look at how much he signed for a $4 million ticket roughly um, and, and the potential that he has, especially with the talent around here, it's very exciting. Um, it's definitely one of those kind of boomer bust signings though, where I could definitely see things not really working out in the top four because he is this kind of very offensive minded guy. And if it doesn't really work out or find a home, then all of a sudden you've kind of got like a 4 million hole there that you can't really afford to have on this team. Um, but yeah, if you're signing John Klingberg and you're not putting him on the top power play unit, I don't really know what the point of signing John Klingberg is. So I'm excited to see him in that spot. I'm also interested to see a right-hand shot power play quarterback on, on that top unit. It's something that we haven't really seen since Tyson Berry kind of did it a little bit, um, it's been Morgan Riley and a little bit of Rasmus Sandin on that yeah. top unit. Um, Eric Gustafson, like very, very little. Um, and those are all left shots. And so if you're thinking about trying to set up Matthews for a quick shot, when you're moving the puck around at the top of the, at the, top of the paint there, um, it's going to be easier to have a quick pass to Matthews with a right-hand shot versus a lefty. So I'm interested to see 
if that factors into anything for Matthews, if he remains on the left flank, I know that the Leafs uh, kind of move things around a lot on the power play. So I'm interested to see if Guy Boucher has anything uh, cooked up on, on that way. But yeah, he's a, he's a fascinating addition where I'm very interested to see how they use him more so at five on five, just because we know what he can do as a power play quarterback, as an offensive threat, everything like that. I'm more interested to see if they're able to kind of shelter him with a partner like Jake McCabe, if they're able to get some better five on five value out of him, which we haven't seen in the last couple of years. And I think the cherry on top is if you remember a couple of playoffs ago, Dallas and Calgary he already has quite the rivalry with Matthew Kachuk. So I'm sure they'll, uh, they'll be uh, friends again in the Atlantic division this year. Too. <laughs> yeah. Kyle, one thing with that too, is like, I, I, you hear this narrative all the time and Toronto is one of the loudest fan bases in terms of everything people saying yeah everything yeah. i'll just I'll, I'll leave it there they're one of the loudest fan bases um but like you know i live out here in saskatchewan and the people i talk to here all the time the hockey fans in saskatchewan are always saying the leafs have nothing but skilled defensemen then when are they going to get that nasty guy back there when are they going to get that physical defenseman back there and it's one thing that's bothered me over the last couple of years and uh, you kind of alluded to it but uh that's a narrative i hear is the Leafs have only ever had offensive defensemen. And I look at it, and these guys have heard me say it. Uh, but, like, where where are the numbers then? Like, where have the numbers been the last couple of years in terms of all these offensive defensemen that the Leafs have had? Yes, mm-hmm. Sandine and Lilligren have skill, for sure. They're, they're not your prototypical rugged defensemen. But they weren't at a point in their careers yet where they're putting up points. And TJ Brody hasn't been putting up points. And Giordano, he isn't there to put up points. Uh, Muzzin wasn't necessarily there to put up points. Justin Hall wasn't definitely wasn't putting up points. So, like when I think of John, might be there to give up points. (laughs) Hey, stop it! You know I'm a Justin (laughs) Hall defender. Um, Five minute muffin. You know, (laughs) when I look at the John Klingberg edition, and and Kyle, maybe I'll just get your thoughts on this. Is I think that this edition, when we look back at this uh, seven months from now or whatever, I hope that we can say this is actually kind of more what they needed than maybe a rugged Gradko Gudis, for example, um, or somebody along those lines. But I also have that we had, we talked to Terry Koshan on the weekend uh, or last week, me and James, and he still thinks that they need that nasty element. So do you, where's the balance? And I guess, uh, do you think that Klingberg in that regard will actually be able to push this defensive group to maybe a level we don't even really know that they need yet? Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, it, it makes a lot of sense. And I, th- I think first off, um, I think the the want for kind of that prototypical defensive defenseman, rugged hits, all that kind of stuff is still warranted because the Leafs haven't had this caliber of puck mover offensive guy, but they also haven't had uh, the, the rugged hitter, everything like that outside of the deadline additions of Luke Shen and Ilya Lubushkin. Um, because what they've kind of built their defense around in the last couple of years um, was kind of these these modern transitional defensemen who are good defending the rush. They're relatively good uh, in their own zone, some better than others, to to put up mildly. Um, but they're not these like prototypical oh six foot five, two hundred something pounds, super rugged defensemen. Uh, and, and so they had that a little bit of like the best of both worlds with Jake Muzzin when he was healthy. Obviously, the last couple of years that hasn't really gone. Um, as they kind of hoped the last couple of years. I think of Jake McCabe, to cut in for one second, yeah. be that kind of guy. He can, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I love he, it. He's I not, agree. and that's kind of the hope, right, with with bringing in McCabe is kind of that Jake Muzzin-type replacement where he can bring a bit more of that physicality. He's not the same size as a Muzzin or 
kind of the, the type of guy that you might think of in that role. Um, but I think that he could definitely step up into more of that role, especially uh, playing with John Klingberg this year and kind of having more of that, um, or at least to start this year, having more of that like set role being the defensive guy rather than kind of being on like a, a shutdown pairing with like a Brody or, or other guys like Justin Hall or whoever it may be, um, kind of being a split duties job. I think if he knows his specific role, we've kind of seen in the past alongside Seth Jones and some other guys where he's had some really good results. So I do I do like that you mentioned that. Um, we have heard Trelevin kind of say repeatedly that he wants to remake this defense. And so far, it looks like it's pretty much only one addition. So I think that we will see some more changes on that front throughout the year, whether it's other people getting in some more reps, uh, whether it's Giordano getting some days off, stuff like that, um, or a, a bigger move. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if as we get into the season and closer to the, to the trade deadline and stuff like that, which is obviously far, far away, if we don't see a kind of similar move to what we've seen the last couple of years, where two years ago they brought in Lubushkin, and then this past year they brought in Luke Shen. Definitely. Yeah, and listen oh, to Trey no, Living too at the press conference. You know, he said that he was actually this defense is underrated. Mm. You know, he thinks this defense is underrated. He went on record saying that. So I mean, maybe they want to see what happens with the pairings of McCabe and and Klingberg. Maybe you want to see if Brody is was last year just a dip, or is it going to be what it is? You know, with TJ Brody, and then obviously you got to find a way not to put so many miles on Mark Giordano. And have him fresh and ready for the playoffs, you know. And also, you hope that Timothy Lilligren takes yet another step in his development. And you made the right deal in dealing, basically, the right one when you got rid of Sandine instead of Lilligren. So, yeah, it's it's comfort right now. But I mean, I don't know. I want one more established name. Let's say. Yeah, for sure. That's fair. And, and when you look at kind of the guys on the bubble, there's a lot of those kind of depth guys that can sub in for Giordano in, in a pinch yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, kind of see how the first few months of the season go and kind of see how much you need to address on the blue line, whether it's kind of more the, the depth supplementary trade that we've seen, like the, the Shen and Labushkin and those kind of things, even Ben Hutton as just like a depth guy that they brought in, um, or if it's kind of a, a bigger move that we've seen routinely at forward, but kind of this year they start the year kind of with those deadline-esque additions in Domi and, and Bertuzzi already being on the roster just with some of the money they had in free agency. Yeah, Kyle. So we're we're talking defense, and uh, people love. Uh, I follow your accounts for. Oops, sorry for prospect stuff. I have for a long time now, and one of the one of the areas that I'm very curious about right now is the prospect depth for defensemen on this team because I feel like they've drafted quite a few forwards in the last several years with Kyle Dubis, um, and a lot of them look great. Uh, we we hear about it all the time. The group the Gribbyonkins of the world, the, you know, people are coming. There's there's all these forwards coming. And a lot of people talk about Topi Niemela as kind of the the pinnacle of what they have for defensemen. But can you maybe throw out a few more names on the defensive side of things uh, for, let's say, who, who we should watch for with the Marlies this year or maybe even as far back as who, sh- who we should watch for in juniors or somewhere else uh, for Leaf fans to keep an eye on? Yeah, so over the last couple of years, the the Leafs really don't value position in in the draft. They kind of take whoever they like that's available. And and the last couple of years, just as a result of not having as many picks as they've had in previous years, you're talking about three, kind of four picks each year. um, And and that kind of limits the amount of shots you can take. And so um, prior to this draft, so looking at 21 and 22, 
uh, the Leafs didn't take a single defenseman in either of those drafts. So before they took Noah Chadwick in, I think the sixth round this past year, uh, the last defenseman they had taken was in the 2027th round. So it, it had been a while and it had definitely shown in, in the cupboards when you look at some of the, the graduates that had come through the Marlies, a couple guys had left the system and Philip Prawl and Mac Hollowell, um, and, and it was definitely looking barren. So going into this season, um, it's definitely something where there's a couple guys to definitely watch on the Marlies. Topi Niemel is obviously the, the main guy, um, but somebody that, that kind of flies under the radar, he was on an AHL contract last year, he's a little bit older, is Marshall Rafai, who's uh, kind of this, I, I don't like using this comparison just because the connotation that comes with it, but Justin Hall was a success story in terms of being a guy that came through the Marlies on an AHL deal and ended up playing significant minutes for the Leafs over a handful of years at a pretty cheap contract. And, and if you can get any kind of NHL minutes out of guys that you bring through the system on an AHL deal, which is a free thing and no risk thing, essentially for, for NHL teams, that's a huge, huge plus. Um, and, and Rafai is a guy that has a lot of intriguing raw skill. He's already like 25 years old. He played a couple of years at Harvard. He missed a year due to COVID and a lot of stuff. So he's a little bit later on on kind of this development path, but he's an excellent skater. Ryan Hardy at the beginning of last year described him as a world-class skater. Um, and he has a really good defensive stick. Uh, he's somebody that I, I think has a lot of upside as just like a defensive shutdown guy. Um, if he can kind of refine some of his skating, use his skating more and kind of learn a bit more in, in his sophomore year going into this year with the Marlies, um, just kind of how to, how to best utilize his skating and his defensive ability. Um, because he's a guy that you look at him, he's around six foot. He's not the biggest guy, but he's a great skater, like I mentioned. And he has a mean streak as well. He had a ton of penalty minutes last year with the Marlies. He he got ejected from a game for a bit of a brutal hit after uh, after one player hit a Marley. He kind of checked him into his own bench, and that didn't go too great. He's not afraid to drop the gloves. Um, and, and he's somebody that, like I mentioned, is kind of on this different development path where he's kind of a later bloomer. Um, but he has a lot of raw skills and he isn't somebody that was drafted or is like a 21 year old starting with the Marlies. It's kind of like, see what he does this year. And if he's kind of pushing for NHL minutes, then maybe he got something there. And if not, then he's probably just an AHLer. Um, but he's definitely an intriguing guy to keep an eye on this year. Just kind of a, a player that if you look past this season, um, you look at the left side, Giordano is probably gone. And then you're looking at maybe some other guy stepping into that role. He's somebody that I wouldn't be surprised to get NHL games this year. And then the other one is somebody that we saw in today's preseason game in William Vilnov, who, to be honest, didn't have a, a great game, to say the least. Yeah. Um, he, he definitely is a raw prospect, but he's somebody that has underrated size. He's listed at six foot two. He's still got uh, a lot of room to kind of grow into his body and add some muscle. Um, but he, he's not the, the best skater in the world. Um, but he's somebody that is a right shot defenseman. Like I mentioned, six foot two. It can move the puck really, really well. Uh, and so he's somebody that. You're probably not looking at this year, probably not even in two years' time, but if they remain patient with this player, given his size, given his abilities, a right-shot defenseman who can move the puck, can, can quarterback a power play, those kind of uh, assets. Uh, he's somebody that I, I, I do quite like uh, going into the future as kind of a, a bit of a longer-term project, younger. Uh, he's coming off of his rookie season with the Marlies, um, played a, a handful of years in the QMJHL, was a top defenseman there. Uh, he's somebody that is kind of a, a little bit later on on this development path. You're looking probably two, three years down the road, uh, but somebody that I think you should keep an eye on in, in the future because I think there's something there. 
there was a lot of talk about him last year at camp and stuff like that. Just the way that he had progressed, I guess. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, people were turning heads on him. So, I mean, if he can continue that path, I think he's someone who definitely could be a, like you said, a project for the Maple Leafs and hopefully in a couple of years' time maybe crack the lineup when you may, again, need cheap contracts depending on what guys are getting paid. So it's always good to have those young defensemen on good deals. I want to ask you about camp. I mean, we're talking about young players here. What are you looking for in camp here for guys who are on the bubble trying to make this roster? And I'm talking about the young ones. Pontus Holmberg, Robertson said he put on some weight. His shot looks lethal. Everybody's talking about that. Matthew Nyes is another one. Pontus Holmberg. I kind of go down the list on those kind of guys. But I'm wondering for you, what are you looking for those guys at a camp to make this team? Because all of a sudden, it seems like the bottom six is quite the competition really outside of David Camp and, and Ryan Reeves. Yeah, I think first and foremost, I, I watch for where the coaching staff puts these players because I think I can tell you a lot about what they either want to see from these players or kind of uh, what they want to uh, see how they handle certain situations. So whether it's just training camp lines or more specifically, like we saw today, Alex Steves getting a shot with William Nylander and Max Domi. That's something that caught my attention because he's not somebody that I really – Picture being a, a guy to really push for a, a Leafs lineup spot this year, just given he's still uh, waivers ineligible. Uh, he had a solid season last year with the Marlies, but kind of was on the same level as he was as a, as a rookie. So I was looking for a little bit more from him last year to kind of push for a full-time role. Um, but giving him that kind of spot on, on alongside two legit skilled NHLers, I, I think is something that's intriguing where it's the coaching staff either liking something they see in the player or wanting to test this player and those are the kind of things that i look for through camp in the preseason where um especially during training camp there's not a lot of stuff that you see unless you're actually at the rink day in day out which none of us really are for the most part uh, other than just like a few clips that you get uh, on twitter so it's more kind of tracking how um players are kind of utilized in certain roles like for example we saw the young line of Abrazizi, Holmberg, and Robertson kind of in camp so far, which um, is a line that could be a top line with the Marlies, or all three of those guys could push for minutes uh, with the Leafs. Uh, and so in the actual preseason games, um, you kind of look for these guys to, to flash something, whether um, it's speed, whether it's tenacity on a forecheck, whether it's a shot, whether it's passing skill, whether it's defensive acumen, anything like that. You just look for some of these young guys to give you something. I think so- today we saw that a little bit out of Steve's obviously with the patience on his goal with a nice shot there. I like what I saw from Roni Hervinen making his preseason debut today, making some uh, good plays uh, down low and making a couple nice passes and stuff like that. Um, so for some great of these guys, healthy too. yeah, great to see him healthy. Yeah. Glad you mentioned that. Um, but yeah, so for these guys um, on the bubble, it's kind of looking for some of these flashes where it's kind of tough to get the same read as on, on these guys as some of the coaching staff does just being with these guys day in, day out, being able to see what they've worked on in the summer, what translates to the game action, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, the, the main things I'm, I look for is kind of the, the line usages and kind of seeing where the coaches slot these guys in, especially Sheldon Keefe at the NHL level, where um, putting them in potentially different roles than, than what the Marlies might do for some of these guys. Uh, and then in the actual preseason games, kind of just seeing some glimpses of some guys against uh, either better competition or, or just against different competition. In your heart of hearts, do you think that Nick Robertson makes this squad this year out of camp? I know last year he was beating the doors off to be here. And obviously we all know the injuries and things that happened to him 
Um, you know, you really want to see the best for him. And I really think that he's probably past the AHL really in terms of skill and everything like that. But yes, some people say maybe for him starting in the AHL might be the best to get some reps, to get things going and just really get flowing again. But I really, I don't know. I want to see him with the Leafs, man. I don't know. On power play two, <laughs> man, give me some Nick Robertson, man. Who does, he, who does he take off power play two, though? Did you see power play two? It's pretty dang good power play two. It's, it's pretty solid now. I'm not <laughs> it's Bertuzzi, Domi, Yarncroak, Lilligren, and Riley. So I mean, Yarncroak right there. Take Yarncroak off. Ah, fair enough. Fine. Sn- snipe on Robertson. If Robertson can do and shoot like the Matthew puck. Matthew Nyes isn't even on power play two. So, like, you, you put Robertson on there over Matthew Nyes, James? Robertson and Nyes. Robertson <laughs> Klingberg. Or the best of both worlds. Eight-man power Fair play enough. unit. Let's go. Take Lily off. <laughs> yeah, three power play units. Everybody gets 30 seconds. Let's go. <laughs> oh, God. Just making um, waves. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, no, for, for Nick Robertson, look, I, I still love the player. Obviously, there's, there's – um, aspects of his game that he has to figure out at the NHL level. And part of that is just how hard this guy tries at playing good hockey. And it's unfortunate because if this guy was like two inches taller and had a little bit more to his frame, I think he'd be a bonafide NHLer already. It's just tough with some of the dumb luck injuries that he's had and also some of the stuff that he's put himself into to bad situations. You look last year, in the collarbone uh, or shoulder injury. I can't remember the, the specifics of which it was, yeah. um, but I, I was actually at that game and it was, it was brutal to see it. Um, and it's a situation where if he's a little bit bigger, he's probably not getting hurt in that situation, That's true. but it's also he was his brother. Yeah. <laughs> it, how it. I it. But no, it, it's, it's something where that's the style of game he plays. That's how he's yeah. at his best. He's, 150 percent every single shift. Uh, he's hard on the four check. He's, all over the ice and, and it's kind of finding that middle ground of being able to to kind of be that type of player that it that's made him a 55 goal scorer in the ohl that has made him a point per game player in the in the ahl um but also not get yourself injured every 10 yeah. 15 games because of it so i i'm excited to see him this year i i think there's pros and cons to both starting him in the nhl and ahl um, and I think it mainly comes down to, of course, a little bit of how he performs in camp, but also kind of how the cap works out. There's still some stuff they got to work out with how it is right now, whether Connor Timmons is the only one that gets waived. If Sam Lafferty is somebody that's on the outside looking in, like there's some weird stuff that they kind of have to figure out on, on the salary cap just to get down to a, to a cap compliant roster. Um, so we've, Got to see how that plays out a little bit because as it stands right now, they don't have room to carry an extra forward, which is where kind of the, the next Robertson thing comes into play. Um, but for myself, I would love to see him kind of get a top nine opportunity right out of the gate um, in the NHL and kind of see what he can do from day one. I also understand potentially starting him with the Marlies if there's some cap stuff that you got to work through and giving him big minutes to kind of get back into game flow. Um, but at this point, uh, like the last couple of years, it's something where it's like, yeah, start him in the AHL, let him build up. At this point, I think how how long he's been off, um, obviously the skill and everything that he has, he's clearly too good for the AHL. I, I think it's time to kind of give him that NHL run from day one and kind of see how long he can take it because he's an absolutely skilled player. He can play both wings. Like you mentioned, he can help you out on PP2. Uh, he's somebody that can absolutely pop in a couple extra goals for you in the bottom six, depending on where he plays. 
Um, and, and I hope we get to see a healthy Nick Robertson for a full season because he's an excellent player. And I think if he gets a full run of a healthy season, I think he's going to make a lot of fans. Yeah, James, just before you go, too, it's just like I, he's – He's the type of guy you just want to see succeed, and we yeah. forget how we forget how young he is still. Mm-hmm. Yep. We we just because we saw him when he was eighteen in that Columbus series that many years ago, like he's still only what twenty one still. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I I just I, he's the type of guy you want to see succeed because of how quickly he came out of the gate with that Columbus series, and like you said, Kyle, just like gained so many fans immediately because he was just that that awesome little burst, and then. It's just been like, oh, come on. Like, that's just been the Nick Robertson story is the, ah, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, for, <laughs> for, for Robertson there, he recently turned 22. But in his draft year, he was – he's born September 11, 2001. So he's right. literally right at the end of that draft cycle for that year. Yeah. So not only – Anything else and, happened that day? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> but, no, for for uh, for Robertson, um, like, being drafted as a young player in his draft year, debuting as an 18, 19 year old, all of that makes him people think that he's this 24, 25 year old kid that hasn't been able to crack a lineup. He's 22. He's a year younger essentially than, than Matt Nice. We're talking about, we're talking about September, 2001 versus October, 2002. Like it's basically a year difference between these two guys, despite being two draft years different. So um, it's certainly something where I think a lot of people are sleeping on Nick Robertson just because of 100%. how lethal of a, a shooter he is. Um, and once he kind of figures out how to play this pro style regularly, uh, I think the Leafs have a good player here. At, at the very least, as a complimentary top nine guy who can pot you some goals. And, and we know how valuable having some bottom bottom six scorers is. So Yeah. Well, finally get some bottom six scoring would be very nice. Well, speaking of very nice... Our friends over at the Hockey Podcast Network, who are partnered up with this year, uh, they work with DraftKings, and of course, we know the NFL is back. Uh, so we got to get back into the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet five dollars and get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets. Throw down five on any epic matchups in this week and get an instant winner. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with the code THPN. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Come on now. Only on DraftKicks, Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with the code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for your problem gambling. Call 888 888- 789-777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of the sword, licensed partner of the Golden Nugget Lake Charles, LA 21 plus, sage varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football for terms and eligibility, terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. So get over Use the code THPN on DraftKings, put your crown on, and get your bet on. Speaking of getting your bet on, Dylan, I know you're out with the goaltenders, so let's get it rocking. Kyle, I know that you uh, keep up with the prospects, and to be honest, I don't think we've had a decent goalie probably in the system since Tuka Rask, but I see. I, I think we kind of gave up on him. How dare you merch James Reimer like that? James Reimer. <laughs> um, but – 
Garrett Sparks. <laughs> For me, I'm really excited about Justin Wool. Uh, and I think Justin that Wool. Joseph Wool, I think he has the edge. He did it. That's a the little jo- bit. That's the Justin Hall thing. You got caught. <laughs> oh, I was the, I was dark. going Justin Pogey, so I'm glad we're going oh. for at least an NHL. <laughs> Five dollars in the dark jar, Dylan. In my eyes, I think he has the edge over Jones. However, I know that he had a pretty Jones had a pretty decent season last year. I wanted to get your thoughts on who you think has the edge as the backup behind Samsonov. Yeah, it's a the Jones signing was fascinating to me because I was expecting kind of a, a veteran third to be signed. I, I just wasn't expecting it to be somebody the caliber of Martin Jones. Just because Joseph Wool this year, the first time in his career, he re- requires waivers to be sent down. Yeah. Um, so for myself, I, I don't see any scenario where you can justify placing him on waivers because somebody will claim him just based off of the season he had last year, the flashes he had in the NHL, the numbers he put up in the AHL. Uh, somebody will claim him, whether it's a, a team at the bottom of the barrel that just kind of looks to fill a roster spot and yeah. brings in a young goaltender. We saw it last year with Arizona bringing in Connor Ingram, who turned <laughs> into a very strong backup for them. Um, yeah. or, or if it's a, a team, you look around the league, Colorado is a team that's looking for a backup and uh, could snag any of these guys that kind of get put on waivers. So for myself, I don't see a world where you can justify putting Joseph Wool on waivers. And so that puts it in an awkward spot because like we mentioned, at least how the cap is right now for the Leafs, they can't afford having an extra player on the roster outside of the, the 12 forward 62 goaltenders. Yeah. Um, so what does that mean for Martin Jones? I, I don't really know right now because I think ideally you probably have those three goaltenders on the roster and kind of have Martin Jones as kind of a veteran to keep around depending on how things go for Wool, somebody that you can um, bring into a lineup so you can have Samsonov have completely full off days, which is something we saw last year with the Marlies, where Eric Schalgren at the beginning of the year was the starter um, on games where Keith Petrozelli would, would get the start on back-to-backs or whatever it was. Uh, it was Dylan Ferguson as kind of a, a set third stringer who would back up and, and Schalgren wouldn't even dress. So I think that's ideally what you have and you kind of have three goalies on the roster. But I, I don't know if it's something that is actually feasible based off of the, the salary cap right now. Um, and, and so you look around the league, you look at a team like Colorado, who all of a sudden doesn't have a backup goaltender. I doubt they're comfortable going into the year with Yusis Ananen as the backup, especially if they're trying to take some of the workload off of Georgiev. Martin Jones is probably somebody that gets scooped up there if he gets on waivers. So I'm very curious to see how this plays out, if there's a cap-related move that allows them to keep all three goaltenders, what the pitch was to Martin Jones in the first place that made him sign here, because it's a situation where you look definitely not going to be the starter, which is kind of a a role that he had last year for the most part in Seattle. Um, And he's probably not the backup either because they've got a young goaltender who they've developed for six, seven years. Like Joseph Wall was drafted in the Austin Matthews draft class. They put a lot of time and effort into developing this goaltender. And I just can't see them waving him and probably losing him on, on waivers to some other team after you've developed him for this long. Um, so, yeah, I'm very curious to see how this one plays out as a result of the, the waiver stuff. I definitely think Wool has the edge. Um, it's somebody that the Leafs were comfortable giving playoff starts to in a pinch when they needed to. Um, and, and so for all of those reasons, I, I can't really see a scenario where Joseph Wall either plays his way out of a, a roster spot or Martin Jones plays his way into a roster spot. I'm just mostly curious to see how it actually plays out with the third string and whether they do need to waive Martin Jones and he gets claimed or what the situation is there because 
Um, I was expecting kind of a third string goaltender that you could easily get through waivers and could be a, a guy that you kind of have jump up and down and kind of have your young goalie stay in the AHL and you don't have to worry about bouncing him up and down. So um, Wool is definitely the guy for me as the backup, but I'm very curious to see kind of how this situation plays out at the end of camp and waivers time and stuff like that. Well, you yeah, already got Kyle Yarncroak nicked up. So, I mean, maybe that's your $2.4 million <laughs> extra that goes on an opening night. I mean, that's one thing about injuries, right? They always have a way of helping the yeah, you never know. going into the season. So if that does work that way, maybe they can carry Mr. Jones for uh, a couple of weeks and figure things out or try to slide them through as other teams have already filled yeah. their cupboards with other uh, – Scoop ups. We know the Leafs like to get scooped on the waiver wire, so it's not something we're all. Okay, fun to I was gonna happen. say. I was gonna say that. How badly do you think Kyle Dubas wants to claim somebody off of the Leafs because he's got so many guys claimed off of him for the last five years? Can you just imagine <laughs> that first day? He's just probably gonna zoom to the TOR on the list and just be like, "Oh, who can I just snag from these guys right now?" And he'll just claim somebody just for the sake of it. All right, you want a prediction? Oh yes, please. I do. If so the Leafs badly. wave Bobby McMahon, he's going to be a Pittsburgh Penguin. Oh, yeah. I was going to say Connor yeah. Timmins too. Like Timmins is yeah. his guy yeah. too, so he would totally be scooped up if he's on there. Yeah, yeah I, I look at McMahon because he's somebody that's I, I'm. He's either league minimum or under league minimum. Yeah, and Pittsburgh doesn't have a lot of cap space. Shocker. Um, mm-hmm. So Connor <laughs> Timmins might be somebody that like they're they might really like and just not be able to fit in because he makes one point one million. And you look at like Chad Ruedel on their third pair and stuff. He'd be a great fit on that team, probably. Yeah. When you look at a third pairing role alongside Pierre Olivier Joseph, but um, I, I don't know if they can quite afford it unless they make a couple other moves. They, Duba said he's not afraid to waive a bunch of guys, and there's a bunch of guys that need waivers on that team. So we'll kind of see how that roster plays out. But um, yeah, I would not be shocked in the slightest if there's a Toronto Maple Leaf currently that is a Pittsburgh Penguin in like a month's time. So. Now I'm wondering though, does that? you know, waiver claim cloud, maybe follow Kyle Dubas to Pittsburgh. And oh, Trump that'd be hilarious. Get left too. alone. And they start claiming Pittsburgh Penguin players now just because of the, uh, you know, the quote unquote thing around Dubas as, you know, the analytic guy or whatever. Maybe that's what it was. Um, uh, who knows? But I mean, I don't want to see anybody claim. Just let us have our guys, man. We, we've done our fair share of helping other teams with players and giving guys across <laughs> the, that wire. The Penguins, the Penguins signed my boy Austin Wagner to a PTO. So if they do sign him and then put him on waivers and somebody gets claimed from the Leafs, I just hope the Leafs claim Austin Wagner. He's my guy. <laughs> nice. I love that kid. Uh, so I don't know. I hope so, but we'll see. I want to ask you about expectations for this team. Obviously, it's to go beyond the second round. It's to go all the way. That's what this team wants to be built for. But I want to talk about regular season expectations because that's where I think it's going to be very hard for a lot of guys here on the Maple Leafs. I do think that tuning out might be a thing this year where they already kind of perceive themselves as a playoff team. Uh, You have to go through the 82-game grind or the dress rehearsal, as they call it, to get to the playoffs. I want to know, what are the expectations here? Do you think this team wants to be first in the Atlantic, win the President's Trophy, or is it more of the approach of the Tampa Bay Lightning, just get to the dance, don't worry about whatever goes on, and, you know, do your business in the playoffs. Um, We know the Toronto market craves and wants everything. So, obviously, what I said to begin that statement is probably what every fan wants, but what are the realistic expectations of the Maple Leafs internally, do you think? 
I think there absolutely needs to be regular season expectations. Uh, this isn't a team that like Tampa that has won division titles and has kind of set themselves up to face wildcard teams. This is a team that has only ever won a division in the North division, which we don't need to talk about that year based off of how it ended. Um, but this is a team that hasn't won the Atlantic division. Like it, every year, it seems like the Leafs are kind of walking into the years. Yeah, this is the year that they'll finally win the division. And then, Florida comes out of nowhere and has a president's trophy season. Boston has a resurgence and has a historic regular season. And it feels like year after year, the Leafs are this second or third seed in the Atlantic and facing a top five, top six team in the NHL, which probably isn't the best way about trying to get playoff success. Um, So I absolutely think that with Boston losing their top two centers, losing a couple of guys via free agency, um, being a bit of an older roster, kind of in flux with still a great defense, a very intriguing goaltending tandem that'll still be competitive. Tampa kind of rebuilding their roster a little bit, building around the edges, a completely new look fourth line, uh, some other defensemen stepping up into a full-time role, those kind of things. This is another year where the Leafs need to go into the year being like, the regular season matters for us. We need to try to win the division because the difference between playing a, a first or second wildcard team and playing consistently these Tampa Boston types is significant. And of course, we've seen upsets with wildcard teams and this kind of stuff. But um, going up against the wildcard teams is just setting yourself up for a a greater chance to move on, have a shorter series and and move through. If the Leafs are are playing when you look at these last couple of years with uh, what it was, the the Panthers played uh, the Capitals, for example, in, in that first round series. The Leafs are probably winning that series, and we're talking about a vastly different couple of years. You look last year, of course, it ended up being the Panthers in kind of this awkward situation where they found a, a bunch of steam at the end of the season, made the playoffs, and went on this fairy tale run. But you look at that series versus a, a Lightning series going into it, and that's a very different two series that you, you've got on your hands. So I absolutely think that finally getting over that regular season hump, that is something that isn't talked about because obviously there's a much larger looming hump that they hadn't gotten over. But winning the division is absolutely something that this Leafs team should have done by this point, looking aside from the North division and kind of that unique circumstance. They haven't done it yet. And this is another year where, again, with a revamped roster, with a team that um, is kind of, you compare them to the other teams in, in the Atlantic and, there's absolutely an opportunity to go out there and take this division and set yourself up at the very least for home uh, home ice advantage for the, the first couple rounds and potentially all the way to an Eastern Conference final if they get there. But at the very least, just setting yourself up again to face weaker competition, which when you go into every year facing these top five, top six teams in the league, it's going to take a lot out of you, even if you do make it through the first round. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I heard the, the press conference today. Uh, they were talking about Klingberg's role on the power play and uh, they talked to Morgan Riley. And one of the things Morgan Riley said, well, first of all, huge respect to Morgan Riley for essentially being like, if he's going to make our power play better, good. And that was essentially what he said about Klingberg taking his spot on the power play. Um, so he's a leader. We all know this. Morgan Riley's a great guy. Uh, but he said, we were number one in our power play two years ago and we were second last year to Edmonton. I think they want to get that number one power play back. Mm-hmm. And I think last year, uh, I think they could have. I feel like there was a lot of power plays last year mm-hmm. where I was like, damn, they were so close, like three or four times on the power play, and it just wasn't quite going in for them. Uh, and I think a little tweak 
And it sounds like Guy Boucher maybe has a little tweak coming up his sleeve, whatever that is. Uh, I think could go a long way to adding three or four or five percent onto the power play that's already as good as it is. Um, and on top of that, their penalty kill two years ago was very good. I think it was top. I don't know off the top of my head, but I think it was top seven or six in the league. Something eight, like maybe. That, yeah. Yeah. And last year they were back kind of middle of the pack. They're 14th or 13th or something. And I think they want to get back into the top five again in the in the penalty kill. And we see them talking a lot about. Maybe Matthew's getting some time. Maybe, uh, you know, whoever's going to fill in some time on that power or on the penalty kill. Uh, so I'd be very curious. I just feel like, you know, in terms of regular season, Kyle, you, you said it, there's bigger things that I think this this franchise has looming over them. But I think there are specific things that they can kind of target that are individual, but also team-based that I think they want to maybe just kind of get that under their belt. They want to get top five PK, get top five goals against, which they were top seven last year. They want to get into the top five. They want to do those little things where they're proving themselves that they're growing as well. But with all that in mind, Kyle, finishing it off, where do the Leafs finish uh, this year? I mean, we talked about winning the Atlantic, but uh, overall, I guess, like, what do you what are you thinking at the end of the day that this is going to we're going to see on the on the standing sheet on NHL.com slash standings? What are you thinking? Yeah, so for starters, I, I think it's excellent to kind of have that goal-setting mentality where it's tough kind of going into an 82-game slate and trying to be like, okay, let's win the division yeah. and that can kind of get lost on you. But having these kind of, not smaller goals, because these are significant things that contribute towards winning, but having these specific goals that you can track week in, week out, I think goes a long ways towards whether it be morale or just kind of focus throughout the year. Um, so it's absolutely something that I'm excited to hear and, and I think is a great thing for the team to kind of focus on. Um, where the Leafs finish, I do think this is a year where they can go out and win the Atlantic. You look at last year where we kind of expected Boston to take a step back and it was the opposite where they had an unbelievable season with Jim Montgomery kind of taking over. Patrice Bergeron remained Patrice Bergeron. I was, I was wondering whether David Krejci would be able to maintain kind of the form we saw after a year away in Czechia. He was able to do that. And so that kind of gave them an offensive depth that we didn't maybe anticipate. And then on the back end, Hampus Lindholm refining his game, supplementing that when McAvoy was away. And then when McAvoy came back, it was just an absolute juggernaut on defense. And then obviously the deadline additions and all that kind of stuff. That's not the same Bruins team that we have this year. You're looking at potentially Charlie Coyle or Pavel Zaka as your top two centers. You've got a lot of $1 million veterans kind of sprinkled around this lineup when you look at an aging JVR, an aging Milan Lucic, an aging Kevin Shattenkirk, where those are some guys that can provide value in very specific ways, but is probably players that can be taken advantage of as well in certain situations, especially if those guys are playing higher up in the lineup. So I do think that the Bruins take a step back. That's a team that the Leafs can jump over. And they were already a better regular season team last year than Tampa. I am intrigued by Tampa's kind of remodeling their bottom six. It looks like somebody like mm. Alex Bray-Belay is going to get a, a longer look this year, who's been excellent in the AHL. They don't have that old fourth line anymore. They moved on from all of Perry, Belmar, and, and Maroon. You've got a younger Lord, look there, bringing more speed to the lineup. So I, I do think that it's going to be a bit of a dogfight between them and the Lightning. But it's not just those two. You look at down the depths of the Atlantic Division where we've seen – Teams kind of jump out of nowhere and kind of surprise the last couple of years to win the Atlantic. The Buffalo Sabres, if they get some good goaltending, that's an unbelievable offensive team. If they get Hell some yeah. defense, 
that's a scary team that could potentially make a huge jump. Ottawa is, is a team that sure. we've kind of been waiting for to make that jump and haven't. I still have some concerns about kind of the overall depth of the team, but the top six still looks strong. The top four still looks strong. Um, I think there's a lot remain to be seen in net there as well. But if everything clicks, that's another team that could potentially jump up and be in the mix, stuff like that, which we've seen over the last couple of years. Nobody expected the Panthers to be as good of a team as they were yeah. when they won the Presidents. Nobody expected the Bruins to be as good of a team last year. So I do think that at the end of this year, the goal has to be winning the Atlantic Division. I do think the Leafs can get it done this year. And when you look at how kind of things play out, um, there's going to be a lot of competition for those wildcard spots in the East and potentially how things shake out uh, in, in kind of who wins the East and who's kind of the second seed at the top and stuff like that. Um, there could be a really good matchup for the Leafs if they are able to win the division, potentially doing a crossover to the Metro. I think everyone would love to see a first-round series against Pittsburgh or something like that just for the storyline, stuff like that. But but I think there's a lot of possibility if the Leafs are able to finally break through and get that regular season title in the Atlantic to kind of open up their possibilities uh, come playoff time. So, um, yeah, the, the goal has to be winning the division. It's something that they haven't done outside of that North Division year and kind of sets you up for so much more and naturally being one of the top teams in the league, of course, when you do that. We're looking forward to it all because obviously with Absolutely. the first preseason Oh, my God. I, I was up early this morning and I was like looking, like refreshing just to see a preseason roster. It's it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. But yeah, hey, we've got yeah. another one tomorrow. It's going to be good. You October know 11th, you, know you guys, is yeah. so close. October 11th. And I just can't wait for them to start. Domi or no Bertuzzi, Domi and Reeves for the first shift out there <laughs> for the home open. Is it? It's at home, right? This first game's at I home so. against I do believe Montreal. so. Yeah. Get get those boys out there for the first shift. Come on, Keith, <laughs> just do it. Listen, it's going to be a great season, Kyle, and I thank you very much for making some time for us carving it out here. I want to have you back on throughout yeah, the season here. It. And uh, just just talk about what we were wrong about or what we were right about. Hopefully, this season we're all right about the fact that Boston Bruins <laughs> take a step back oh, for one. Come on, Boston, just oh, do us a favor man. here. But anyway, just Kyle, go back to the pre-Joe Thornton days or whatever it is. Please <laughs> do, wow. please do. Uh, uh, we're we're talking about Joe Thornton well. thing up here somewhere. Again, Kyle, <laughs> the door is always open for you to jump in here. We appreciate you making the time. We love your work. Where can everyone find you and just just read your stuff and see your stuff, man? Yeah, thanks, guys. It was a lot of fun chatting. Again, apologies for that little delay. I did not expect the grocery delivery guy to get stuck in the stairwell. But hey, you know what? Uh, spiced up the evening a little bit. No, you, you can find my stuff, uh, all of it on uh, Twitter at or X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, at Kyle underscore Kush, spell it with a C, not with a K. You'll go a very different place if you spell it <laughs> louder. Um, and, and you'll find all my stuff there. I, I share all of my writing there. I write mainly for the score. Um, you can find all of my writing essentially there. And then some of the more niche uh, Leafs prospect stuff, which I know this audience is kind of into. I do a little bit of that on Substack as well. So as we get closer and closer to that uh, October 11th, like you mentioned, the, the opening day of the, the season, um, I'll have my uh, preseason uh, Leafs prospect rankings coming out in a couple weeks' time. So that's one to, to look forward to. So. Stay tuned. We're looking forward to it all yes, from you. Heavily recommend following this guy. Give him a follow. Yes. Thank you, guys. Much appreciated. 100%. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you know what this show is about right here. This is where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk.